I'm your host, William Tapley, also known as the Third Eagle of the Apocalypse. Stop, 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 stop. You cannot make it look like William Tapley is supporting our program. Sorry, folks. Chris Roseborough here, just to remind you, Fighting for the Faith is listener-supported radio. That means we depend upon you, your generous gifts, and financial contributions in order to continue bringing Fighting for the Faith to you. And no, William Tapley is not our spokesperson. Uh, If you don't already support us financially, you can do so by visiting our website, fightingforthefaith.com. When you get there, you'll see two friendly yellow buttons. One says donate. The other says join our crew. And when you join our crew, you're signing up to automatically contribute $6.95 to the ongoing work and mission of Fighting for the Faith and Pirate Christian Radio. And, of course, if you would like to specify the amount that you would like to contribute, you can do so by clicking on the donate button or you can make your gift payable to Fighting for the Faith and send it to Post Office Box 508, Fishers, Indiana, zip code 46038. All right, on to the program. It's time for another edition of Fighting for the Fade, Monday, December 2nd, 2013. Man, have we got a lot of ground to cover today. I feel like I haven't done a program in, you know, almost a week. (laughs) Because I haven't. Thank you for tuning in. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. My name is Chris Roseborough. I am your servant in Jesus Christ, and this is the program that dishes up a daily dose of biblical discernment, the goal of which, help you to think biblically, help you to think critically, and help you compare what people are saying in the name of God to the Word of God. No shortage of crazy things being said out there. We slow down. Stop and compare what people are saying in God's name with God's book, the Bible. You know, in context, that's kind of the important thing here. All right, like I said at the beginning of the program, it feels like I haven't done my program in almost a week. And, well, wouldn't you know it, it's been almost a week since I've done my program. <laughs> that's how that works. I uh, I enjoyed my Thanksgiving holiday, although it was extremely busy for me uh, in, in other ways. Uh, we were preparing for our uh, Christmas bake sale. Yeah, every see he, you got to understand. Fighting for the faith and pirate Christian radio. We do not have the mega bucks of uh, somebody like an Ed Young or a Stephen Furtick or any of those guys. No, we we operate on a shoestring budget, and quite frankly, I prefer it that way. So I I want everybody to know that is not a complaint. I think it's great. I believe that God supplies us with our daily bread, and I'm very thankful for the daily bread. Uh, that the Lord supplies us here through you, the listeners of Fighting for the Faith. And so uh, we, uh, we, I was, you know, long story short, I, I was working in the Fighting for the Faith website. We decided to move the, um, the bake sale from the piratechristianradio.com website over to the Fighting for the Faith website. And, uh, and I've been working on a whole host of other things on top of it. We're just about ready to release our first Fighting for the Faith video blog. Uh, this is something. Oh man, 
<laughs> do I tell you the travails of this thing? Anyway, so here, let me let me take a bunny trail here, and then we'll talk about the bake sale. I'll, I'll, I'll go on a bunny trail. Um, the, video is different than radio. That's all I've got to say. And um, and so the one thing I'm really Oh, man, it's like eating crow even saying this is that <laughs> I hate to say this, but at the moment and I'm going to do everything I can to change this. But at the moment, William Tapley has better video chops than I have. I know. I, I, I yes, you heard that right. It's <laughs> so does Patricia King and all those other folks. I mean, OK, yeah, I've lost weight. Yeah, I, I'm I'm OK with how I look on camera and. Uh, and all of that kind of stuff. And, and you know, I <laughs> – oh, this is ridiculous. Anyway, so, you know, I've got this very inexpensive HD camera that I got at Best Buy, you know, for a, you know literally a song. And, and oh, it's – anyway, so I finally figured out how to get everything to work, how to get the lights right, you know, how to – you know, and all the kind of stuff. And then it came down to actually – properly recording the video and um let's just say it takes a few takes that's all i'm gonna say and i am not jonathan fisk and so i can't do those you know those super cuts that he does you know he, 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 I, jonathan fisk i you know i love the guy um but his videos are like lutheranism for people with add and uh, <laughs> so i i can't copy that style i i i i can't even i can barely watch that style at times but uh you know his his videos are fantastic they got great content uh so you know i i put up with it but um you know maybe it's just the fact that you know i'm in my mid 40s and you know maybe a lot of the folks that watch jonathan are younger you know that kind of thing i don't know what it is but anyway so you know i've shot several episodes of the fighting for the faith video blog and one of them i'm re-filming but it, it it now i'm doing post production work on it and i got to tell you it's a little bit of a challenge it's it's um it's different. And, uh, you know, I'm finally, you know, after several, uh, you know, at least filming several episodes, I, I've finally become comfortable with it, sort of. Um, but the one thing uh, that I'm learning in the post-production phase of this, because, again, we are a low-budget operation. Who does all of the production work? Moi. And so what I'm learning is, is that um, you, there's certain ways in which to kind of film segments, you know, and then you can piece them together <sighs> anyway i'll get better with it over time so but we're you know what our first video what we're going to be our first video blog will actually be a, not a very long one and, and see that's the thing is that um you know <laughs> i want to keep them around 10 ish minutes at the most and you can't cover a lot of ground and so i'm you know i'm trying to you know one of the things i had to do was kind of work out all right, if I'm going to be filming these things, how can these be a good resource? Because it's it's not the radio program, and but it's a, probably a good way to kind of introduce something, uh, somebody to a concept that I could flesh out better in more depth on the radio program. So anyway, stay tuned, is, as they say. You know, at, very shortly you'll be seeing my ugly mug uh, via YouTube. And, you know, and, and they're, they're video blogs. That's it's it's. That's what it is. These are Fighting for the Faith video blogs. They are not going to be very long, but the goal is is that with these different episodes, they will point you to more in-depth teaching on particular topics that I'm trying to 
help you with. Anyway, so so that's the bunny trail. But coming back, so what we did is we moved the uh, the bake sale over to the Fighting for the Faith website. And, uh, and by the way, when we say bake sale, one of the reasons why we say bake sale is because, well – um, many of the items that we uh, make available as a fundraiser for Fighting for the Faith and Pirate Christian Radio are actually handmade by my mother-in-law. No joke. And uh, and so this year uh, for our Christmas bake sale, um, if you, and, and here's how you can find it. I'll tell you how you can find it. Go to fightingforthefaith.com. When you get there, look at the very top of the web page, okay? And you will see links to like our archives and stuff, and you'll see the word bake sale click on it that that's how you get to go to fightingforthefaith.com look at the very top of the page find the bake sale link click on it and then you'll t- you'll go to it so we still have some of our christmas bowls from last year and it has a beaded topper that was made handmade by my mother-in-law we also this year uh, my mother-in-law she's into beading not beating but beading um she has beaded some very cute little angel earrings and um there's like four different options for them they are all handmade by my mother-in-law again this is a bake sale <laughs> this is one of the campy features of fighting <laughs> you know we we do not have a huge budget we do not have huge expenses every year i do not have a uh, a bentley i mean <laughs> i drive a toyota truck you know anyway so that kind of gives you the idea but um in order to help us make budget, in order to help us make budget, we we do bake sales from time to time. So we've uh, launched our Christmas bake sale again, fightingforthefaith.com, and click on the bake sale link at the top of the page, and you can see the things that we've made available. We still have some T-shirts uh, that are available, and you know we have uh, like a tiny amount of T-shirts available from previous uh, the previous years but we also have this year's t-shirts but take a look at it and um you know as as you are approaching the end of the year as you consider uh you know uh, gifts to different ministries if fighting for the faith is one of these uh, programs that's helped you grow in your understanding of god's word proper distinction of law and gospel has sharpened your discernment skills consider supporting us financially and uh, helping us to uh, to end the year off uh, making our budget so that we can go strong into 2014. This something to keep in mind. Okay, so let's talk about what we're going to do on today's episode of Fighting for the Faith. We have got a lot of ground to cover, and there is. I want. I'm going to do another update on Mark Driscoll's plagiarism. And um, right off the top, I will tell you that uh, Janet Mefford has been a journalistic bulldog. And uh, she has now posted on her website. Uh, you can go to JanetMefford.com. It's M-E-F-F-E-R-D.com. If you go to her website, click on the blog link, um, you, then you'll see the different blog posts that she's put up with photocopied evidence showing that Mark Driscoll has now played you – know, there's plagiarism in now four – books that he's published in the last four years um for any for you know for him to say that he made an honest mistake the, this is not an honest mistake this this is some serious allegations so we'll take a quick look at that um and talk about that i have an eric dykstra update and i have a bible's a, bible secrets revealed update oh man what a train wreck that 
that series of programs is. So, yeah, we, and then in hour number two, we're going to go out to uh, Corona, California, and uh, and listen to a, a review a sermon out there. I'll give you the details in hour number two, but we have we've got so much ground to cover. And since we're going to be starting off with a Mark Driscoll update, that requires me to do this. down the street don't hear god's word no more the pastor says we don't feed no sheep so get busy and amuse those goats don't be lazy you hit to satisfy the leader's god-given vision supreme if you dare to question him well then certainly be a scene look out another one's off the bus another one's off the bus and another one's off and another one's off another one's off the bus hey He's gonna get you too. Another one's off the bus. One by one, people disappeared, never to be seen again. I thought this whole darn thing was a joke, but I changed my mind when I saw the pastor jump on the bus, tear out screeching down the street. People were getting squashed like bugs and piled up like dead meat. Look out! Another one's off the bus. Another one's off the bus. And another one's off. And another one's off. Another one's off the bus. Hey, they don't care about you. Another one's off the bus. I am all about blessed subtraction. There, there is a pile of dead bodies behind the Mars Hill bus. <laughs> and by God's grace, it'll be a mountain by the time we're done. Um, you either get on the bus or you get run over by the bus. Those are the options. But the bus ain't going to stop. There's a few kind of people. There's people who get in the way of the bus. They got to get run over. There are people who want to take turns driving the bus. They got to get thrown off because <laughs> they want to go somewhere else. There, there is a pile of dead bodies behind the Mars Hill bus. <laughs> and by God's grace, it'll be a mountain by the time we're done. Um, you either get on the bus or you get run over by the bus. Those are the options. But the bus ain't going to stop. The pile behind my disco's church grew higher by the day. Some truly tried to follow his plan and they were thrown under anyway. Well, his vision was not complete. He was enraged by all of us. I told Mark to stop playing God and now I'm under the bus. Another one's off the bus. Another one's off the bus. And another one's off. And another one's off. Another one's off the bus. Hey, he's gonna throw you too. Another one's off the bus. That's right, another one's off the bus. And by the way, I always mention this now, is that uh, Mark Driscoll has not yet acknowledged, apologized, or repented for those statements that are featured in our Mark Driscoll update music. Okay, we're, I'm looking at Janet Mefford's blog. Okay, and you can, again, you can find this at Janet Mefford, M-E-F-F-E-R-D.com. Click on the blog post. 
And the uh, blog heading reads, Plagiarism in Two More Driscoll Books. Now, so far, Janet Mefford has uncovered plagiarism and documented it in two books. That would be The Resurgence, Mark Driscoll's latest book, as well as a book published in 2009 called The Trial. And it's, you know, eight witnesses regarding First and Second Peter. Um, But in this latest round, Mefford has posted photographic, photocopied evidence uh, that Driscoll has uh, engaged in plagiarism in two more books, namely Real Marriage, as well as his book, Who Do You Think You Are? Okay, and let's just put it this way. I mean, it's getting to be absurd. It's absolutely getting to be absurd. Not absurd on the part of Janet Mefford's part. No, Janet Mefford continues to turn up the heat, and every time she turns up the heat, she demonstrates over and again that uh, Driscoll has flagrantly stolen, not given attribution to, um, you know, ideas, word for word, sentences, whole paragraphs from other people, including D.A. Carson, Dr. Peter Jones, uh, and and now we've got uh, we talked about the the one uh, Dan Allender is uh, another person, uh, but uh, also Ron Edmondson, and so you know the, let's just put it this way the uh, the plagiarism body count uh, over there at Mars Hill is getting as large as the uh, those who've been thrown off the bus body count. Um, it's getting to be ridiculous. So I'm not going to cite the examples. Mefford does a great job of it. And Mefford is also linked to um, uh, the standards uh, for plagiarism that are published uh, you know, by Harvard University, which it, you know, Harvard University is not the arbiter of what is and what isn't plagiarism. Um, but the idea is, is that it, they, this particular article over the Harvard University website does a very good job of taking all of the, the the academic standards, you know, and as well as journalistic standards regarding plagiarism, and puts them into one place and explains very succinctly as well as with quite some depth um, as to uh, what constitutes plagiarism. Again, plagiarism is a breaking of the commandment that says, "Thou shalt not steal." Okay, because you're taking somebody else's work and saying that it's yours. Okay. But it's also the uh, breaking of the commandment about bearing false witness and lying. Okay, so you know plagiarism breaks two of God's uh, ten commandments. Now, one of the things I find interesting in all of this, and this is what I really wanted to get to. Again, if you want to see the documentation, go to Janet Mefford's blog. I mean, it's it's what she's posted is irrefutable. I mean, it's absolutely undeniable that Mark Driscoll in four books in four years has engaged in flagrant, flagrant plagiarism. Now, some people are saying, well, maybe he has a ghostwriter. Well, ghostwriting is another form of lying. It's dishonesty. Hiring somebody to write a book and then slap your name on it, um, that's still lying. Okay, so that doesn't exonerate him at all. But what I find fascinating in all of this is that, um, you know, I've personally been attacked by uh, people who support Driscoll as well as Janet Mefford. I mean, you know, I've people in the Twitter sphere have come after Mefford and me at the same time in the same tweet. And the claim is that we need to knock it off. That pointing out Mark Driscoll's plagiarism, documenting it, isn't building up the body of Christ. That somehow 
pointing these things out is wrong. And then, of course, you know, from time to time, you know, I have been known to engage in satire, you know, and I've put up satirical pieces. But the other thing I did uh, over the uh, over the holiday is I put up a post uh, where um, I quoted Mark Driscoll against Mark Driscoll. And uh, do you know what Mark Driscoll has has written regarding plagiarism? Now, if you don't follow me on Facebook and Twitter, then you haven't actually had the opportunity to see the uh, the quote. But I took the time to uh, you know to look it up, and uh, there's a very specific quote that um, that Driscoll gave uh, in the book Vintage Church. Now, this goes back a few years, uh, but in the book Vintage Church, Driscoll talks about plagiarism. Let me read to you what he said in Vintage Church. Driscoll writes, quote, plagiarism subverts God's work in and through you. Now, he's speaking to pastors in this segment of his book. Plagiarism subverts God's work in and through you. If you use the work of others, you are not a teacher, and you should quit your job and go and do anything but speak. Mm -hmm. According to Mark Driscoll, Okay, Driscoll understands, okay? He cannot deny that he understands the severity of the sin of plagiarism, okay? The sins that are involved in it, okay? He cannot deny this at all. He not only knows the severity of plagiarism, he writes to pastors and tells them that if they're stealing other pastors' stuff and plagiarizing, that they need to resign. They need to quit their jobs and do anything but speak. This is Mark Driscoll's own words, so I pointed this out. I pointed this out, and I put it together. I put it on a uh, on a graphic that I posted on uh, Facebook as well as Twitter, and you know, and of course, doing so drew the uh, the fire of uh, of Driscoll supporters. You know, how dare you? You know, you, you're not building up the body of Christ. Don't you dare! All this kind of stuff. And then there were people who were literally arguing. Well, you can't you can't claim ownership to an idea. Uh, and, you know, I mean, the it was really really pathetic. And lame. The reality is this. Mark Driscoll has been caught red-handed. His hand is not was not only caught in the cookie jar, he, he hasn't been able to actually extricate his hand from the cookie jar. He's walking around with the cookie jar on his arm. Okay? And you know what we're hearing from the Driscoll camp? Absolutely nothing. Nothing. Crickets. Just it's just as quiet as quiet gets. Why? Because Driscoll has learned that as a vision casting leader within the seeker driven movement, oh, when these types of things pop up, all he has to do is remain quiet, remain silent, and ignore his hater critics. And then eventually they'll move on and people will forget. That's how this game's played. He has no intention of doing the Christian thing. And I want to point something else here, that if Mark Driscoll lived in the first century, if Mark Driscoll lived even 100 years ago and he, was, and he did this, he would have been excommunicated and disciplined to the point of being thrown out of the church because of his impenitence. Now, now to the charge that the people like me or Janet Mefford who are pointing out what he's doing, that somehow we are the ones besmirching the name of Christ. Let me quote to you Romans chapter 2. I'll start at verse 19. 
Here's what it says. If you are sure that you yourself are a guide to the blind and a light to those who are in darkness, an instructor of the foolish and a teacher of children, having in the law the embodiment and the knowledge of truth, you then who teach others, do you not teach yourself? While you preach against stealing, do you steal? You who say one must not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who abhor idols, do you rob temples? You who boast in the law, dishonor God by breaking the law. For as it is written, the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. Yeah, that's right. Why is God's name blasphemed among unbelievers? It's because of people who preach against stealing who are stealing. Who Those who preach against adultery who are committing adultery. Those who preach against homosexual sins who are engaging in homosexual sins. And the world sees this. And you know what they think? Those Christians are a bunch of hypocrites. God's name is blasphemed not because of people like Janet Mefford or myself who are pointing out these sins, but because of the people who are doing it because it's obvious to the world. The watching world is waiting to see what Christians are going to do with regarding the Mark Driscoll controversy. And what Christians do is important here because to give Mark Driscoll a pass is to literally give pagans the ability to blaspheme the name of God because there is no pagan journalist who would have his job at this point and done what Mark Driscoll's done. But now it's not only come out that Mark Driscoll's engaged in plagiarism in one of his books, which he claimed was an honest mistake. It's not just two books, not three books, four, and it's all documented. It is all documented. That's not an honest mistake. That is a habitual pattern of stealing other people's work and lying about it. That's what that is. And if he doesn't repent and step down, then God's name will be blasphemed among pagans because there's the man who recently did his sermon series on the Ten Commandments and had did that whole sermon on thou shalt not steal. And what has he been doing? habitually stealing from others year after year after year and book after book after book. Yeah, the Phoenix preacher had a very good comment regarding this, and here's what he said. The real issue involved with Mark Driscoll's plagiarism charges isn't simply his proven sin in copying material without attribution. The real issue is the failure to acknowledge the sin publicly and repent. When the public faces of the faith refuse to lead by holding to the ethical standard that they proclaim, they should at least lead in demonstrating how to repent when they fail to do so. I think that's probably one of the most salient points and comments I've heard in this entire controversy. Driscoll, at this point, is stonewalling in silence. And more and more evidence is being piled up that shows that he's a habitual plagiarizer, which means he's habitually lying and stealing. 
And when called on the carpet and shown irrefutably that this is what his sin is, rather than repent, rather than confess his sin, rather than ask for forgiveness, because there is forgiveness offered to him. Christ bled and died for these sins. But rather than do that, we've got silence. He's going to stonewall it, try to ride out the... uh, Write out the storm and just wait for those nasty hater critic bloggers to shut up, stop talking about it and move on. And then he'll act like nothing ever happened because that's what he did with the uh, the T.D. Jakes thing. And why should he got away with it with T.D. Jakes giving the right hand of fellowship to a man who denies the doctrine of the Trinity? He if he got away with it with that, why on earth should he expect that anyone's going to hold him accountable regarding his stealing and lying? No one is. And see, that's the problem. That's the problem, is that when it comes to church discipline, it's not that there isn't forgiveness available. There is. But there is no forgiveness to those who are impenitent, and that's what Mark Driscoll is. He is impenitent. And if you care about his soul, if you care about the outcome of where he's going to spend eternity, then call him to repentance write Tyndale, write the people who publish his books, write Mars Hill, and demand that this very public leader, a man who considers himself to be a pastor to pastors, that he must repent. He must repent and be forgiven. And if he won't, we are commanded by Scripture to treat him as a tax collector, to treat him as a, as a prostitute, as an unbeliever which means we got to assume that he's not even saved. And we need to, again, preach to him the message of repentance and the forgiveness of sins in Jesus' name and not consider him a brother whom we have any kind of fellowship with at all. This is what Scripture commands us to do. Are you going to listen to God's word and do what it says and what God has said in it, or are you going to just basically say, boys will be boys, and, well, Driscoll's really important. He's so important that, well, we got to give him a pass on this, and you hater gunky heads out there who keep you know bringing this up, why don't you just drop it? I can't. I can't. I can't drop it. The reason I can't drop it is because God's word doesn't give me the freedom to drop it. Driscoll must repent, and he must take his own advice. By the way, one of the men, he flat out, word for word, paragraph long, word for word, stole quotations from was D.A. Carson. And D.A. Carson himself has said that any pastor caught in plagiarism must resign. This This is real simple. This is a career-ending move on the part of Mark Driscoll, and for him to hang on to his career is doing damage to the body of Christ and causing Gentiles to blaspheme the name of God. And that's what Romans chapter 2, verse 24 says. It's not my opinion. That's what God said. So what needs to happen here? Real simple. Driscoll must confess his stealing and lying. He must ask for forgiveness for his sins. But the consequences of these sins is he must step down. He himself has said that that anybody caught in you know stealing from others needs to quit their job. He needs to he needs to abide by his own standard. And sadly, this is going to be Mark Driscoll's legacy. 
This is going to be Mark Driscoll's legacy. He's going to have a legacy of a man who gave the right hand of fellowship to an impenitent televangelist who denies the doctrine of the Trinity. He's also going to be the man who's known for talking and bragging about the pile of dead bodies behind the Mars Hill bus, people he's run over in the name of Christ, even though he's supposed to be a shepherd under the great shepherd, Jesus Christ. And his legacy is going to be stealing, which I think is rather fascinating. Let me play for you a soundbite from a recent uh, sermon preached by uh, Mark Driscoll on on the book of Malachi, talking about what is your legacy. Here's Driscoll. Legacy. Every one of us inherits a legacy, and we leave a legacy. I want you through our, our study of the book of Malachi together to think of it in this way. It's like links on a chain, that we come from someone and we are impacted by the decisions that were made by those who were present before us. Many of us will become parents and grandparents, will leave a legacy. All of us will leave some sort of spiritual legacy and impact into the future. Decisions that you and I are making today have consequences for people tomorrow, just like the decisions that people made yesterday have consequences for us today. And I want you to think in terms of lineage and to think in terms of legacy. And I would ask you to think in terms of generational impact for good or for evil. For those of you who are married, for those of you who are parents and grandparents, this will be very easy to conceive of because you have children and grandchildren that you're hoping to make a deposit in that long after you're gone, they'll love and serve the Lord and continue a legacy of faith. For some of you who are single, you may be most prone to overlook the impact of your legacy, but the decisions you are making similarly Alter the destiny of others who are around you. Just because you're not a parent doesn't mean you don't leave a legacy. Those who are single, those who are infertile, you are making deposits in the lives of others. If you're sharing the gospel of Jesus, you may not have physical children, but you'll have spiritual children who will come to know and grow in the Lord Jesus through you. So this issue of legacy is most certainly in regards to family, but it's for everybody because whether you're married or single, a parent or childless, you're still part of our family at Mars Hill Church, and we want a great legacy for you and through you. So mm-hmm. so he wants a good legacy. Yeah, but as he pointed out, the decisions he made have consequences, and he has made the decision to steal other people's work and say that he wrote it himself and lie about it. That's Mark Driscoll's legacy, and he needs to repent and be forgiven for what he's done, but also suffer the consequences of his stealing and lying and step down and understand his legacy will always be that plagiarist. All right, we're up on our first break. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address is talkback at fightingforthefaith.com or you can subscribe on Facebook. It's facebook.com forward slash pirate Christian or you follow me on Twitter. My name there, at pirate Christian. Quick break when we come back. Oh, I'm running out of time. I'll make a decision as to what thing we're going to cover when we come back. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. 
No itching ears are scratched here. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. You're listening to Pirate Christian Radio. We'll be taking your false doctrine now. <laughs> other news, it seems that the inhabitants of Earth are not the only ones subject to economic slumps. Jensen Franklin, through direct revelation from God, has given us information that says that the unemployment rate within God's own army has drastically risen. Take a listen. An angel came and opened the doors and broke the chains. My point to you is simply this. When you don't pray, angels become unemployed. The greatest tragedy A prayerlessness is the unemployment of angels. Because when you pray, God gives angels their their orders. When you pray, the spiritual battle in the heavenlies begins to be armed with the prayers of the saints and people binding. And whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. Attention, angels. This is uh, the Holy Spirit. I have an announcement regarding the uh, latest downturn in the economy. And I understand that a lot of you have been unemployed lately due to a lack of prayer. And I I wish there was something that I could do about this. But, you know, I feel so powerless when it comes to these kind of things. Um, uh, We've uh, created a welfare uh, basket, uh, spiritual relief type of thing. And uh, so those of you who uh, have been hit hard by the latest downturn and are now finding yourselves unemployed, uh, please uh, proceed over to the uh, relief office and uh, we'll see what we can do to help you out. Thank you. All right. All right. Everyone just calm down. Thank you. Now, I know that none of you care to be here, but since we're experiencing a worldwide shortage of prayer, it would behoove you to keep calm and allow us to do our jobs. Gabriel, put your wings down. There's not nearly enough room for that. And Michael, Michael, don't cut in line. I know you're the big cheese around here, but all of us have been affected equally. Wait your turn. Next! What's your name? George. George. Whatever. Where'd you fly in from? South Orange County, California. California? That's frontline enemy territory. How many tours have you done down in that kill box? About nine. Oh, uh, you're quite the veteran. That's, uh, that's, uh, that's Rick Warren's territory, right? Yeah, he's got most of the people down there praying for purpose, better sex, other useless junk like that. Those idiots don't even realize they don't need God for such things. I hear you on that one. Now, I know it's not much, but this is what I can give you. It's our premium spiritual relief basket. Hallelujah. Thank you. 
I'll be sure to put this to good use. <laughs> I know you will. Next! What's your name, bub? Harold. Okay, Harold. Where are you hailing from? Charlotte, North Carolina. Good gravy. You must really be hurting. Everyone knows that Stephen Furtick's neck of the woods is just filled to bursting with heretical slop. Uh, what are they praying for nowadays? It's the strangest thing. They keep praying to the sun, telling it to stand still. I don't get it. Those morons! Don't they know nothing about astrophysics? If they were to stop the sun, they'd burn half the world to a crisp. Moon rocks have higher IQs than those dingbats. All right, got a relief basket for you. I greatly appreciate the help. <laughs> I know, you're welcome. Next! And your name is... Bob. Bob? I swear, angels these days. All right, Bob, lay it on me. Where you from? Vatican City. Vatican City? <laughs> Are those bozos still praying to dead people and inanimate objects? More than ever. You know, that really frosts my cookies. I mean, seriously. Take Mary, for example. That poor woman has been dead for millennia. She's not answering prayers. Who is the dumb schmuck that thought praying to her would do anything in the first place? Humans! They're so darn gullible sometimes. Anyway, here's your relief basket. Sorry. Just getting real tired of that. Happens every time I give someone a basket. Next! The holiday travel season is now upon us. It came out of nowhere, didn't it? But listen, despite the fact that it comes up so quick, the last thing you want to do is pay more for airfare, hotel rooms, or rental cars than you need to. That's why you want to utilize Pirate Christian Radio's longtime featured advertiser, Cheapo Air, for all of your holiday travel needs. Visit our website first, though, piratechristianradio.com forward slash cheap and you'll find a promo code there that'll help you save an additional $15 off the cheapo airs already low prices right down the promo code then click on the ad banner and book your holiday travel uh, arrangements uh, using their website very easy to use very inexpensive you save an additional $15 and by visiting our website first and then writing down that promo code a portion of your purchase will go to support pirate christian radio so again piratechristianradio.com forward slash cheap write down the promo code click on the ad banner and save lots of money on your holiday travel needs yeah! Hooray! that was a great happy birthday song okay charlie time to open up your presents all right grandpa uh, let's see what we have here oh Yay! I've always wanted... It's a Star Trek uniform! But it's red. What are you trying to say? It was the only colored wool fabric I had. Uh, try it on! It's, uh, really itchy. Ow. Do not fear, nerds of the world. Never again will you have to deal with poorly made gifts and cheap knockoffs. Just tell your antiquated relatives about ThinkGeek. At ThinkGeek, you will find a vast selection of creative and quality products to tickle your every fancy. Celebrate your love of all things nerdy by going to www.piratechristianradio.com 
forward slash geek. And by clicking on the ad banner, a portion of your purchase will go to supporting Fighting for the Faith and Pirate Christian Radio. Warning, if you think the people who are pointing out the sins of major leaders in Christianity are causing Christ's name to be besmirched, you don't know your Bible. Just a reminder, Fighting for the Faith is listener-supported radio. That means we depend upon you, your generous gifts, financial contributions, in order to continue to bring Fighting for the Faith to you and to the world. And like I pointed out at the beginning of the program, we're in the middle of our year-end Christmas Bake sale. My mother-in-law has made some angel earrings. We also have uh, some left, some bracelets left, as well as uh, the Christmas bulbs with the beaded toppers. Visit fightingforthefaith.com and click on the bake sale link at the top of the page, and you can find those. And uh, keep in mind that anything you purchase goes to support Fighting for the Faith and Pirate Christian Radio, and is going to help us meet budget here at the end of the year. Of course, if you would like to join our crew, it's only six dollars and ninety-five cents every month to. Uh, join our crew. It's a great way to support us if you're not already a crew member. And if you'd like to specify the amount that you would like to contribute, you can do so by clicking on the donate button, or you can make your gift payable to Fighting for the Faith, and then send it to Post Office Box 508 Fishers, Indiana, zip code 46038. And let me thank you for your support. I, I, I say it all the time, but it really is true. We cannot do what we are doing here at Fighting for the Faith and Pirate Christian Radio without your support. All right, I've made a decision. We'll save the Bible Secrets Revealed uh, segment for tomorrow. I've got an Eric Dykstra update, which requires me to do this. It's a lot. 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 Like, like. and servant we call it pastor and servant that's right depeche modes pastor and servant that's my modified lyrics for that one all right uh eric dykstra has recently uh been doing a sermon series called the 10 percent advantage and of course he's been preaching through robert morris's book the blessed life and other things you know trying to sell people on the secret formula to worry three Worry-free finances. Now, Dykstra is one of these guys where you know a year, a year and a half ago, he steered into uh, you know some good resources that were starting to straighten out his theology regarding the proper distinction of law and gospel. And uh, I had you know seen what he was doing with the hope that it was going to result in him well repenting and preaching the true gospel. Unfortunately. Dykstra, yeah, um, he hasn't done that. Instead, he's found a way to weave together 
kind of, if you would, gospel reductionism, that's kind of what he's ended up doing. He does not think that there's any valid use of the law, so he's become a gospel reductionist, and he's married it to, of all things, the prosperity heresy. No joke. That's the best way I can describe it. Here's Eric Dykstra to explain. What's going on, Crossing Church? How are you? Welcome to a series on money. Look at the person next to you and say, don't get funny just because we're talking about money. I want to say hello to both Big Lake and Zimmerman real quick. Can we say hello to those guys? Okay, and then we're going to pray and we're going to, oh, I got to do one thing before. Am I going too fast? No, I'm not going too fast. Okay, cool. Here we go. So I'm just messing with you. I can actually go faster. And I just want to recommend a couple books that were beneficial to me in the course of the series that we're about ready to do. Um, this Tonight's talk is the introduction. Next week, uh, I'm going to answer four questions people have about God and finances. This is kind of like the foundational piece. The third week, we're going to talk to you about how do you multiply your money. Fourth week, um, we're going to go for like this is going to be a really, really good series, but we have to get a strong foundation first. And so uh, I went to guys that were smarter than me. And so there are three book, books that I would recommend based on the series that we're about ready to teach. And the first one is called The Blessed Life. Anybody read this before? Yeah, this is a good book. So, like, this is out in the lobby. If you have not got this. No, actually, that is not a good book at all. Now, I've actually taken time in uh, years past, it's been a while since we've done this, uh, to debunk the the major premises and teachings of the book, The Blessed Life, through uh, sermon reviews we've done with Robert Morris, who was preaching on on this book. So if you go to fightingforthefaith.com, now on the right-hand side of the website, you will, you know, not too far down from the top, you'll see a little search bar. Type in Robert Morris, Blessed Life, and you will find those resources. I might end up putting something together uh, regarding this uh, in the future to make it a little easier to um, to find. Although I've also you know put those segments over at our YouTube channel. If you go to YouTube and look up Chris Rosebro and type in Robert Morris and Chris Rosebro together, you should be able to pull those up. And uh, although you won't be able to see me, I've taken the radio segments and made them available. So for a more in-depth teaching as to why Robert Morris is, is, is his uh, ideas regarding tithing and the first fruits and stuff like that are actually not biblical, not what God's word says, and he and he's twisting God's word, uh, money-grubbing televangelist style. Uh, see those resources, but we continue. I would recommend you out and get it. I think you can actually get like a workbook to go along with it, and it's only like five bucks or something to get this, I think. So that's out there. Uh, second book I would recommend is called Supernatural Provision, that God has an ability not only to just cause you to survive, but cause you to thrive. That he can supernaturally... Now, listen carefully to what he said. God has the ability to not only help you thri- uh, thri- survive, but thrive. This is an argument based upon logic, not again uh, on a clear passage of Scripture. Yes, God is capable of meeting your needs, and he does, and he's the guy who created the whole universe. No doubt about it. But uh, are there specific promises in Scripture that say that Christians are to be rich? No, absolutely not. Um, and you know, it doesn't matter if you tithe or not either. Tithing, by the way, is an Old Testament concept, and I get into that uh, in my debunking of Robert Morris's false teaching. But we continue. Provide, even if you've made mistakes financially. A lot of you think, man, I'm, I've jacked up my finances, man. I'm going to have to dig my way out. God can do in an instant what could have taken 10 years. Come on, that's good news, right? 
And that's what this book is about. This book is about supernatural provision that God can take you further than you could take yourself. And the third book I would recommend, which uh, the last series we did uh, was, was Monster Mash. And so we had the book we recommended, which was Mind Monsters. I have another book by Pastor Kevin Gerald because he's like he and I are, are, are friends and I just really enjoy his stuff. And, he is- and Kevin Gerald is the cheap Joel Osteen knockoff who is also a word of faith heretic. Just recently, this book is great. It's called Pardon Me, I'm Prospering. This thing is good stuff. So I would challenge you to go out to the lobby and pick this up after. If that's going to help you take your study further. Can we get to work and do it? Okay, I'm going to pray. And uh, we're going to roll. So Jesus, thank you so much for what you're about ready to do in this room. I thank you for every life in Big Lake and Zimmerman. I pray that we bring hope and joy to a conversation that makes people nervous. I pray that you bring blessing and grace most of all. I pray that your grace would exude from every element of this service. Jesus Christ, we bind Satan, his servants, their works and effects in all levels and in all dimensions. And we ask for the truth of God, the blessing of God, the hope of God, the peace of God to rule and reign in everything I say. If I say something stupid, cause it to be forgotten. And Yeah, I'll say amen to that. Yeah, I wish you hadn't said it, though. You will be saying things that are not in accord with God's word. That is foolish for sure. Anything that is from you, make it go from their ears down into their soul and make it transform them. I can't transform people, but you can. And I ask you to do it in the name of Jesus. Pray everybody said, hey man, as soon as I said that book about pardon me, I'm prospering. Some of you are like, this is one of those prosperity churches. (laughs) And so I just have to start out with a statement. Yeah, it's really disturbing when I hear Eric Dykstra do a Richard Simmons <clears throat> impersonation. ...about money that's important to me. And that statement I would put up first of all is I am not a prosperity preacher. I am a grace preacher. Do you know the difference? No, actually, you are you're somebody who is a gospel reductionist who has married the gospel that you've, you know, which, by the way, it's law and gospel, not just gospel. And you've married your gospel reductionism to the word of faith, prosperity, heresy. Listen to how he explains it, and I'll show you right off the bat where he goes off the rails because it's immediately. A prosperity preacher says this, says that if you follow God, you're going to be rich. That all your dreams are going to come true that you will, you, you, you'll be a millionaire. This is the, honestly the, the line of thinking. Now, I- Yeah, which, by the way, is not a correct description of prosperity preachers. That's not exactly what they say. It's if you send your money in, if you tithe, then God will bless it a hundredfold. Uh, you have to sow your seed of faith, and then God will multiply it. That's what they teach. I will say this for a second. I am not anti-prosperity. Anybody want to be poor? <laughs> So don't be anti-prosperity either. <laughs> like the thought about like, yeah, I just think Christians should suffer and lose all their cash and die. <laughs> that doesn't seem very hopeful. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I don't know anybody who preaches that message. Do you? So there's, but, but at the same time, I'm not a prosperity preacher. What I am is a grace preacher. What- now watch what he does here. I'll show you where he goes off the rails. It's very quick. Again, he's a gospel reductionist. He does not preach law and gospel. He's a gospel reductionist, and he's mashed this up with the prosperity heresy as taught vis-a-vis Kevin Gerald and, and Robert Morris and others. What, is, what does the word grace mean? Come on, talk to me. Undeserved or unmerited favor. favor. That Jesus took your punishment, that at the cross, he took your beat down for all of your mistakes so God could bless you. Now, this is true. What he's describing is correct. 
That God's never angry with you. God's never mad at you. God doesn't ever, ever want to be like, geez, why are they the way they are? He's never thinking that way. Why? Um, God, the father disciplines those whom he loves. Because he took all of the punishment for your sin at the cross. This is true again. And notice, again, it's truth mixed with something a little funky. But it's going to get really strange here in a minute. There's no more punishment left to give. God's not up there with a lightning bolt waiting for you to mess up. All God wants to do is bless you. And scripture is clear about this. All God wants to do is bless you. Scripture is clear about this. Listen. When the cross happened, wrath was done and all that was left was for God to bless us. One of my favorite verses. All that was left was for God to bless us. Wrath was done, so now all God's got to do is bless us. Now this is getting weird. The scripture would be this. It's from the fullness or abundance of his, what's that word? Grace, we have all received one blessing after another. Every one of your blessings comes from God's undeserved favor for you. And why would God's blessings be limited to money? Hmm? He doesn't care how good or bad you are. He wants to bless you. He doesn't care where you've been or what you've done or how many drugs you've done or what beds you've slept in. He took your punishment already. So all he has left to do is bless you. So notice the gospel reductionism. Oh, God's taken all your stuff already. All he wants to do is bless you. No repentance in the forgiveness of sins. Hey, Jesus paid it all. All he wants to do is bless you. He didn't say anything about repenting and being forgiven. Nope, not at all. Again, he's a gospel reductionist. Mashing this up with the word of faith, prosperity heresy. Here's that that second part, though. Sin has already been forgiven and atoned for. That is grace. Is that good news? Yes. Yes, that's really good news. Now, what would God's grace or undeserved favor say about your health? Do you think God would want your health to thrive? Now, this is where he's no longer doing a, a biblical text. Well, if God's grace and unmerited favor, well, what, what does that mean regarding your health, regarding your marriage, regarding your finances? See, what he's doing is he's doing a syllogism, not going to any clear passages. He's just, well, therefore, that means God wants to prosper you in all of these areas. And if you're, you're doing the right thing and believe in the right thing, then God will bless you. Mm-hmm. Listen. Yes or no? Yes. So God's blessing would fall on your health because his wrath was fulfilled at the cross. Do you think God wants to bless your marriage? Yes or no? Yes. He wasn't like, ha, ha, ha. And yet the scriptures talk about uh, Christians who've lost their marriages because of their confession of Christ. Oh, marry that girl. Going to suck for you. (laughs) He's not thinking that way. He's thinking, if you marry that girl, I will protect this thing and I'll guide this thing. And where, what passages are you preaching that from? You're just making that up based upon your what you think is a correct understanding of the implications then the fact that we have grace but you didn't preach repentance and the forgiveness of sins i'll guard this thing and i'll give you wisdom for this thing it's going to go a good direction if you just listen to my words of faith over your life this is what grace means in regarding health and regarding your marriage how about your career you think your god wants your career to succeed or fail succeed how about your finances you think he wants to succeed or fail Succeed. So I want to have a conversation with you about God's heart regarding your, specifically God's gracious heart regarding your finances. And I'm going to start with... Yeah, without any clear passages, he's somehow connected to the cross. Because Jesus died on the cross for your sins, therefore, God's going to, you know, wow, he's going to really bless your finances. And yet there are Christians in poverty all over the world. And what he just did wasn't actually from any biblical texts. 
that was just him taking a dive diving board leap from the atonement into midair without any biblical passages to support what he was saying at all. Hmm. What do you think? All right, we're up on our second break. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address is talkback at fightingforthefaith.com, or you can subscribe on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash pirate Christian, or follow me on Twitter, my name there, at pirate Christian. Quick break when we come back. We're going down to South Hills Church in Corona, California, and listening to and reviewing a sermon from there. Stay tuned, Owen, on this. It will be right back. If you want advice on how to have your best life now, you are in the wrong place. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. Pirate Christian Radio Theater presents Death of a Salesman. Are ye a salesman? Why, yes, I am. Can I interest you in some... You're listening to Byron Christian Radio. The holiday travel season is now upon us. It came out of nowhere, didn't it? But listen... Despite the fact that it comes up so quick, the last thing you want to do is pay more for airfare, hotel rooms, or rental cars than you need to. That's why you want to utilize Pirate Christian Radio's longtime featured advertiser, Cheapo Air, for all of your holiday travel needs. Visit our website first, though, piratechristianradio.com forward slash cheap, and you'll find a promo code there that'll help you save an additional $15 off of Cheapo Air's already low prices. Write down the promo code, then click on the ad banner and book your holiday travel uh, arrangements uh, using their website. Very easy to use, very inexpensive. You save an additional $15, and by visiting our website first and then writing down that promo code, a portion of your purchase will go to support Pirate Christian Radio. So again, piratechristianradio.com forward slash cheap. Write down the promo code, click on the ad banner, and save lots of money on your holiday travel needs. That was a great happy birthday song. Okay, Charlie, time to open up your presents. All right, Grandpa. Uh, let's see what we have here. Oh, yay. I've always wanted two tin cans and a string. It's one of those communicated devicey thingies. Now you can talk to your friends of a long... Do not fear, nerds of the world. Never again will you have to deal with poorly made gifts and cheap knockoffs. Just tell your antiquated relatives about ThinkGeek. At ThinkGeek, you will find a vast selection of creative and quality products to tickle your every fancy. Celebrate your love of all things nerdy by going to www.pyrochristianradio.com forward slash geek. And by clicking on the ad banner, a portion of your purchase will go to supporting Fighting for the Faith and Pirate Christian Radio. Okay, we're back. Hour number two of Fighting for the Faith Sermon Review Time. Apologize for the length of this one. It's a long one. 
Let's do this right, though. Here we go. The good, the bad, the ugly. We review it all here at Fighting for the Faith. We're an equal opportunity sermon reviewing service. Today's sermon comes to us via South Hills Church, Corona, California. Chris Harrell presiding. The sermon series is entitled Toxic. Yeah. It just might turn out to be that. <laughs> Not for the reasons that Chris Harrell may think, though. Toxic as in a complete false reading of God's Word. You're going to find that this is kind of a weird mix, mash of uh, mythology, Christian Bible verses ripped out of context, and kind of a homespun, seeker-driven doctrine. It's I don't know how to explain it. And uh, this, the focus of this particular sermon is on the toxicity of certain words. So I'm going to use toxic words to expose this toxic sermon so that you will not be um, intoxic. Never mind. Let me, <laughs> let me go ahead and kill the music. Without any further ado, here's uh, Chris Harrell and his sermon entitled Toxic. Here we go. How are you guys doing today? Good. Hey, it's great to have all of you with us here today. I want to welcome everyone watching online or listening on a podcast. Thanks for tuning in today. Uh, we are in our series called Toxic, and today we're going to talk about toxic words. And I don't have to tell you that words have the ability to stay with us a lot longer after we say it or someone says it. Now, I agree. Toxic words would be like false doctrine. Those would be toxic words. Every one of us in this room, if I were to ask you, hey, do you remember being a little kid and, and being on the playground and someone kind of saying something mean to you? Uh, and you, you no doubt about it would recall that back to memory. And um, it, it's no doubt something that we all have experienced. Um, and even if you're a mom or a dad, here's what's kind of funny. How many of you know, it's like, hey, kids will, kids will tell you things you're not ready to hear yet. You ever notice that about kids? Kids tell the truth, man. They don't even know that they're like not supposed to say the stuff they say. And they just tell it like it is. Kids will tell you things. You're like, well, I wasn't ready to hear that word. That's not at all. I remember I was like seven or eight. And I, I mean, I was innocent of the following crimes, by the way. And, and I remember I was like seven or eight. And uh, my mom, you know, it's like my mom, as some women will, they're, they're getting ready for church, I think. And she was kind of looking at the dress or the outfit or how she looked or whatever. I just remember her saying, I was running around and she just said, you know, something about like, man, I wish I, I wish I could lose some weight. Or I wish I, you know, I wish I looked skinnier or whatever. And normal stuff that happens in families. All of us know that that's normal. But at seven, I was like, man, I love my mom. I don't think my mom needs to change anything. My mom's beautiful. She's radiant. She's perfect. Mom, I love my mom. And I don't want my mom bummed. I don't want her feeling like that. So seven-year-old, young, PCH was all, I rolled in and, and I remember we were all, it was Friday. Uh, remember TGI Friday? Anyone? TGIF? Come on, somebody. Remember that show? We used to watch the show Family Matters. Come on, somebody. You know what I'm talking about. Back when them twins in um, the other show, Full House, when, when they wasn't crazy yet. Um, 
And, and, and so, you know, and, and I, we were watching it and everybody was around. The family was there. And, and, and one of the, sh- the scenes, the mom was like, she goes for like this jog. And she's like, you know, I want to try to be healthy or, or something like that. And I was a seven-year-old and I just wanted my mom to feel better. So I was trying to help mom. I was like, what can I say? What can I do? How could I? I always wanted to encourage people. I always wanted to tell people like truth or like, yeah, I always love talking to them, trying to like make them better or encourage them to be better. Or be like, hey, what about this? And I just always loved that. He's a little boy. And I remember I was watching it and I looked at my mom, innocent as can be, and was just like, mom, like maybe if you started jogging, then you could be skinny like you want. What's wrong with me? And I remember my mom, she was sweet. She didn't, you know, take personal on me. She probably went and cried a long, long cry that night. Once I went to bed and secretly walking down the hall, a little who does he think he is? Sounds just like his dad. And, um, you know, and I remember I was like, I was like, she was like, oh, honey, it's okay. You know, yeah, thank you for wanting to help me and be sweet and stuff. And I remember that that kind of stuff happened. I had no idea it was the first time I could remember looking back now that I had hurt my mom's feelings. And I remember also it kind of happened to me. Words got me and words have the power to give life or to take life. They could give life or, or cause death. They can g- cause um, um, this, this power of just encouragement or this total pain of regret. And I remember um, I was in, I think I was like a sophomore in high school. And um, I was in my English class. And, uh, you know, it was like in between this, this time we were supposed to be talking about Beowulf. And so we we're all sitting there talking about Beowulf. We weren't. And, um, but I remember that there was this girl. And, um, you know, I don't want to say her name because some people, you know, listen to our podcast. But her name was Jamie Groves. And, um, and I remember, and Jamie, if you're watching this, I just want to let you know, I forgive you. And, um, but it did cost a lot of money in counseling. So feel free to send a check, um, to the Christmas conspiracy on behalf of what I went through and suffered. God bless you. And, um, and so I remember I was standing there. Now watch. Now Jamie's cute, right? There you go, Jamie. I hope you're happy. Jamie's a cute girl, right? And she's standing there and she's kind of eyeballing me out the corner of my eye. I'm like, this girl's looking. She's like staring at me. I'm like, I'm getting checked out right now. Look at me. I'm feeling kind of good about myself. I'm kind of like, man, I'm kind of, ah, you know, and doing a little bit of this right here, you know. If you ain't a guy, you don't appreciate this, but you try to look like you work out, but you don't. And um, so I was doing that. And then, and then also that when you think you might be getting looked at, you ever notice how like you're a lot more exuberant in your conversation than normal? You ever notice that? You ever notice someone who knows that they kind of think they caught someone's eye and they go from being like, ha, ha, ha. And all of a sudden, when they notice, wow, he's looking at me. <laughs> oh, please do tell. Oh, my gosh. And then, it's like, well, what happened to you? So that's what I'm doing, right? I'm like sitting there, and all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, James is checking me out. So I'm starting. I'm like Mr. Funny Guy. I'm like, dude, and then there's one time I tell all these stories, all these jokes. I got the whole class, dude, laughing. Skip Beowulf. It's Chris time. And I got it all doing, man. And everyone's laughing. But you know how you come in between where there's words that are being used to communicate? And then there's that lull in between conversations, and you have to decide, are we going to keep talking about this, or are we going to change subject? And it's this, like, invisible rule that we all know socially. Well, most of us know it. Some of us don't. But um, most of us know socially that when there's that pause, someone's got to lead. Someone's got to decide to bring up something new or, or laugh about something else or keep the joke going and beat it to death. And like whatever the decision is socially amongst you and your family, your friends in that moment, it was coming. And all of a sudden it was like, who's going to do it? And I was like, oh, it's my time. James, look at me. It's my time. I'm going to do this right now. And I stepped out and I got ready to say something. But right before I did, Jamie snuck in there and she said real loud for everybody in the quietness of that calm in between these words and these words in the awkward silence. She goes, oh, man, 
Five minutes, 55 seconds of nonstop Chris Harrell preaching about Chris Harrell. Uh-huh. Have you heard of a Bible? Did you know your job is to actually preach the word? We continue. Hey, you know you kind of have a big nose? Now, I know what you're all doing right now. I know. And you're right. I don't think it's that big either. Okay? But that's if you're looking at it like this right here, though. See, but my nose kind of like this, you know? It's kind of like right here, and, and, and it's fine here. But when you turn to the side, see how it kind of, see that thing right there, how it just does that? Look at that. That's a good, come on in with that. See that? Oh, yeah. Y'all, look, look, either screen will tell you the truth right there, y'all. If you want to see beauty, you want to see a majestic nose, that's for the Greek gods right there. But I cried as a sophomore, a long night. I went to the bathroom right away and I started looking at my nose. And every time someone came out that was popular but had a big nose, I was stoked. I'm like, ooh, yeah, what? Owen Wilson. Oh, you know. But those words stuck with me and I remember that. Now, what is it about words? And I'm not the only one, by the way, right? I mean, we all got some stuff, every one of us, and it's fun. And, and sometimes it's really funny what you might have said or someone else ever said. But here's what's real. I mean, can, can we just go ahead and be honest in church and get real, real? And if you don't want to, too bad, because that's the way I roll, so we're going to be real right now. It's like, if I could right now for just a moment, pull, peel, take off the roof on this place. And if all of a sudden what really is going on inside your mind and in your heart, when I talk about certain things of words, a lot of us in this room, if we were real honest, you got stuff you could remember somebody saying to you. Your ex said, I never really loved you. When your kid finally figured out how to like try to hurt you and your child said, I hate you. And you remember that your adult children got adult enough to not just say, I hate you and be mean, but they knew how to really let you. Now, notice the way he's telling this. I mean, he assumes that the, that his congregation um, auditorium is full of people who have been victimized by words, but none of the perps are there. But see, the thing is, is that, you know, we've all had people say mean things about us. And we have also said mean, horrible, hurtful things about other people, have we not? Othering and how bad of a mom you were, how bad you failed as a father. And they let you know that and say those kinds of things. How someone said, you're never going to amount to anything. Or maybe your parents said, I wish you were more like your sister. Why can't you be more like your brother? And we walk around with these words and they echo in the corridors of our hearts. And they stay in there and they're navigating. They're at the pilot chair. And some of us, without even knowing it, you're making decisions. You're subject to stuff based upon words somebody put in there a long time ago. Others of us, if you were to be honest, you would say, I've used some toxic words this week to hurt some people. Because it's a part of me. All right, good. So now we're, if we're honest, we've said some toxic words. Good. I'm glad you're an equal opportunity person here. At least you're getting the perps as well as the victims. Which all of this, if what you're describing is right, is sin. And the solution is Christ and him crucified for our sins, repentance and the forgiveness of sins, right? Well, we'll see. And, and, and I wish I wouldn't. I try to stop, and I, you know, and I, but I don't know what to do, and it's like, oh, I can't. I don't know how to fix it. And it just keeps happening. I promise not to do it again, but then I do it again. What do we do with that? 
See, I believe words are so important. In fact, I believe this so much because I look at the way God, I believe, started everything. God didn't think creation up. He didn't write it down. God said words to create everything. And by doing that, I believe that he started, originated the influence and the power that words have and they carry. And for us to not understand that is to live a life fully in neglect or fully in ignorance of the yeah, that, that's a kind of a, a leap there. Um, now, there may be some merit to it, but you're not actually showing us a biblical passage that connects the power of our words back to the power of God's words, which spoke the universe into existence. You, the, uh, our, we're creatures. God's the creator. So, you know, his words have power that our words do not have. An influence that words have. You ever hear that old nursery rhyme when you were kids? It's a lie. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but names, words, they won't hurt me. Actually, sticks and stones might bruise me for a little while, but the word somebody said is still inside my heart. That's what's really true. And see, here's the deal. Because I believe God started it with words, and I believe he gave us his word to help us learn how to deal with all these words, and it's so untalked about, and it's so not understood. We don't even know why some of the stuff we do is what we do. We don't know why we feel what we feel. It's because there are words still pinned up on the refrigerator door of your heart. You walk in, and it's a big sign in there. Failure, not good enough, couldn't cut it, unlovable, never really was loved. And all these words. Again, everything you're describing is the result of our sinful nature and our rebellion against God. Us. Oh, everyone looks at you and sees the decisions you make and like, what's wrong with you? Why can't you get out of your own way? Why can't you figure it out? Why can't you just? But if they only knew what was hanging on the refrigerator door, they wouldn't say a thing. They'd do what they could. And see, that's what I love about God. That's what I love about his word is he does see. We may, we may not be able to take what's in your heart right now and put it up on the screen so everybody else in here. But if we could, we'd shock the folks sitting next to you right now. If people could see what's going on in there when it comes to these subjects and the things I've mentioned and where that then went in a hallway and it went places I didn't even go. But the Holy Spirit, I believe, started taking you into hallways and dungeon places in your heart saying... I'm about to talk to you about all this. And there's this excitement, but nervous energy, this adventure you feel and this fear and this, oh my gosh, what do I do about this? It does have a big piece of my heart. And I want to put you at ease today because God did not intend for you to walk mysteriously through that pain. He didn't intend. What are you talking about? Under your life and not know how to get out of it. He spoke words of life to start everything. And he intends today to speak words of life again. But we have to go and find out, why is it that these words stay? Can I get that out of my mind? Does it stay? Is it possible for me to get the stuff that was said in here and it's log jammed in my mind and my heart? Is it even possible? Can that happen? God, I believe, wants us to learn that today. Not just as a church, as a family, as an individual. But I think he just wants us to learn this because we're his children. He just loves you. And so today my assignment from God is, is to make sure that I help our church and those of you that are guests today. We want everyone to know you're not on the outside looking in. You don't need to be a Christian to come to South Hills Church. You don't need to believe in Jesus to come to South Hills Church. But I do ask you to suspend judgment for 32 minutes and give me a chance to share with you some things that I think are true. And I've studied a long time and didn't always believe it, to be honest with you. But I'd like you to suspend judgment. And at the end of this thing, 
You make your decision on what you believe about Jesus and the power of words and what he would like us to say. So with that said, I want to go and say, God, what did you want us to know? And what didn't we learn? And why is it so bad? And can this change? And to that, I want to turn our attention today to Ephesians chapter 4. If you have a Bible, I want to invite you to open it up today. Go ahead and get that out. If you want to turn that on, you can do that as well. And uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29 is my assignment this morning from the Lord. And I believe that um, God is here. Ephesians 4, 29. That's going to be a verse out of context. Let's take a look at the context. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29, by applying our three rules for sound biblical exegesis. They are context, context, and context to find out what is going on in this passage. And um, I'm going to just back up all the way to uh, verse 1 and keep this in mind. Uh, We're reading a letter. So you don't, if you want to understand what's going on in a letter, you don't start in the middle of it. But unfortunately, that's what I'm doing. I'm starting in the middle of the letter. So everything that Paul says in chapter 4, starting at verse 1, is in light of everything he said in chapters 1, 2, and 3. Keep in mind, there were no chapter numbers or verse numbers when Paul wrote this letter. It was intended to be read in one sitting, the entire thing. And so keep that in mind. So Paul in 1, 2, and 3 preaches the gospel, salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, by Christ's work alone, not our works. He talks about the fact that we were born dead in trespasses and sins, but God made us alive in Christ. So everything he says here, this the exhortation that we get to in Ephesians chapter 4 is in light of Christ and him crucified for our sins and our justification before God by grace alone, through faith alone, and not by our works. Keep that in mind. So I begin at verse 1. Therefore, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. So in light of the gospel, walk in a manner worthy to the life that you've been called, with all humility, gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit. Just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. Now, in saying that he ascended, what does it mean but that he also descended into the lower regions of the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, and the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the one faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning and by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which is it equipped, when, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds." 
They are darkened in their understanding, and they are alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him, as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God and true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such is as good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ has forgiven you. All right, so that's the passage, and you heard the part, verse 29, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such is as good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. So he's going to do an entire sermon on a verse out of context without any, without any idea how it's connected to the gospel. This isn't going to go well. This is going to be all law, not gospel. We continue deep cleansing and deep healing. And uh, those of you that come every week, you know my terminology is typically um, extremely sensitive towards people who don't believe. And so if you're here today and you don't believe, I want to let you know that I am a Bible guy, I am a Jesus guy, and I believe that the Holy Spirit's job is to point everybody to Jesus, little by little, day by day, big moments, small moments. And I just happen to believe that there's a lot of you in this room that today is your moment. This is the day that God said, I brought you here because I wanted to talk to you because it wasn't fair what happened. It's not fair what you believe about yourself. It's not fair what you are living under. And guess what? Here's the honest truth. It's not fair what those underneath you now are living under. And today God wants to do work in that area. And so I want to look today at Ephesians chapter 4 and see what does God's word say that's different than the way our, our world tells us words are. Sticks and stones don't really break our bones. Words don't really hurt us. But the reality today, I believe, is, is that God wants us to see exactly what they do and what they don't do and how we could do this thing called life-giving. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. Let's go ahead and read it together. It says this. Do not let any unwholesome words, everybody say words, come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to what makes you feel better about the things you're irritated about. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I must have missed. Oh, let me try that again. Hold on. Do not let any unwholesome words. Everybody say words. words. Come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to what makes you feel like you were right and they were wrong. Do not. Why? I don't know why. I just can't seem to get this one. Do not let any unwholesome words come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up. According to their needs. 
that it may benefit those who listen. The reason some of you are walking wounded this morning, emotionally speaking, the reason you have scars on your heart, the reason there are things that are ringing like a bell in your heart this morning right now is because I believe firmly that God's word about words is the truth. And if people don't live the way God created life to be lived, that's when things get broken. And the reason that you are broken to... No, actually, that's backwards. The reason why people say hurtful words, why they lie, why they gossip, why they slander, why they... Dem- all of that. The reason why is is because... Because they are broken, because they are dead in trespasses and sins. Men are by nature sinful and at war with God. Sinners sin. That's what they do. The reason why people sin is because they are sinners. Sin is a condition that leads to the fruit of that, which is sin. You've got this backwards. You're basically describing good people who make mistakes and then things go wrong. That's not, that's, you know, no, 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 that's wrong. Somebody did not do what God's word says. And anytime we don't do what God's word says, it breaks people. The end. God doesn't have a big rule list that he has because he's this goody two-shoes God that gets his feelings hurt when we don't do what's right. He's not some tyrannical leader that's just like, you will do what I say. God is a loving God that says, hey, here's the stuff that if you don't do it, it won't hurt you. If you do it, it will hurt you. This will break your life down. I just love you. Some people look at God and it's like, oh, don't tell me that I can't say this. I can't do that. I can't have sex here. I can't go there. I can't do this. Too many rules. And I want to let you know you're right, by the way. You're right. But here is what there is truth in. Hey, all these rules aren't rules for me, by the way. You do know that, right? I don't need to feel better about being God. I'm cool. I'm tight. People like me. I I got friends. I'm secure in myself. I'm good at doing the God thing. People worship me, love me. I'm fine. I'm secure in me. I know me. I'm good. This list ain't so you can, can, can go make me happy. It's not so you can go get me to just approve of you. I love and approve of you as you are in the fact that you're breaking these things. This list of don't do these things. It- what? What? I can live a life that's happy. It's so you can live a life that's happy. Oh, man. Granted, God's law is the law of perfect freedom. What's the reason why you don't keep it is because you're a sinner. That's right. So what he's describing as far as why the law was given is not even what Scripture says about the law. Uh, We need to do a little bit of law and gospel here. Romans chapter 3. Okay. Verse 9, what then? Are we Jews any better off? Well, no, not at all, for we have already charged that all, both Jews and Greeks, are under sin. As it is written, none is righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one seeks for God. All have turned aside, together they've become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asps is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Notice all of these things here are a description of the fact that all are sinners, right? Um, Their feet are swift to shed blood, and their paths are ruin and misery. The way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be stopped, and the whole world may be held accountable to God. 
For by works of the law, no human being will be justified or declared righteous in God's sight, since through the law comes the knowledge of sin. It's the primary use of the law. When you break the rules of God, you're not breaking God's rules because God's this, right? You can't break my rules. It's that God's a loving God and says, hey, here, if you don't do these things, it's going to jack your life up. Knock yourself out. Have a blast. Enjoy it. I, I hope it works for you, although I know it won't. Because No, God's law was given to us to show us that our lives are, well, you, to use your phrase, already jacked up. It's to show us our sin. Show us our need of a Savior, to give us knowledge of our sin and how we come short so that we will repent and trust Christ for the forgiveness of our sins. You don't understand what the law is about, Chris. And so I'm the originator of it. I got the patent on it. I'm the manufacturer of it. And I can tell you exactly what will and won't work. So these are the things that work. Feel free to not do them. You have the free will, free choice to totally never do anything I ever tell you to do. But no, actually, we're born in bondage and slavery to sin, death and the devil. We do sinning is not something we have the option to not do. I know how it's working. How's it working to be your own God? You decide what's right and wrong. Nobody's telling you what to do, right? You decide what you can and can't say. Nobody's going to tell you you can't say certain words. Who do they think they are to try to tell you that you can't say whatever it is that you want to say? And here's the deal. God loves you. And he's like, that's going to break your life up. And I'll be here when you're ready. But just know that you're going to come with a lot of collateral damage when you're done. No, they already are dead in trespasses and sins. All the collateral damage is just sin working itself out. Hoy, man, this guy d doesn't understand the, the, the human condition properly. Because of that, he doesn't understand God's law properly. He's, oh man, he's offering at this point, from what I can tell, a topical treatment to a, to a mortal problem. Your own life, doing what you want to do, telling yourself that you're okay to do these things and have this attitude. And God's word clearly says it's not okay. Yeah, well, yeah, well, 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 well. Oh, so, so you're now going to be the one to tell everybody what is right and wrong. And here's what God comes to say the reason some of you are hurt is because somebody didn't do what God's word says. Don't let any unwholesome words come out of your mouth, but only for what will benefit them. Again, Ephesians 4 is an exhortation to Christians in light of their forgiveness and, and regeneration through the gospel. It is not a command, oh man, to unbelievers. Boy, this is convoluted. Build them up according to their needs. Now, if you're a guest today and you're not a follower of Christ, I want to let you know that for the next 60, 90 seconds, I'm not really going to be referring to you at all. Um, feel free to listen in. I think it's encouraging and, and, and something helpful for you to say. But I want to talk to the South Hillsers today. I want to talk to Christians. I want to talk to people who say that they believe in Jesus, who say they're Christians, who tell people, I'm a Christian and this is what I believe. I would like to inform you of the word of God. Okay, And as an authority underneath God's word, I would like to submit to you the following. If you're around Christians and the Christians that you're around are letting unwholesome talk come out of their mouth and they're always talking bad about their wives or their, or their husbands and they're critical and negative, they're always talking bad about the church and the pastor and the pastor didn't this and the pastor didn't that. And all they're doing is that. I wish to inform you that God is super clear on judging the church. The Bible says we are not to judge outsiders, but we are to judge insiders. You got no business telling an unchurched person who doesn't believe in your Jesus that what they're doing is wrong. 
You have every business telling a believer what they're doing is wrong because they're... (sighs) You have to preach law and gospel to unbelievers so that they know that they're sinners in need of a savior. (sighs) You see, what's the problem here? He's trying to preach an entire sermon from one verse rather than opening up God's word and reading it and exegeting it in context. If you really want to know what Ephesians is about, read the whole letter. It was meant to be read in one setting. It's not that hard. It's not that long. You could do it in, what, 10, 15 minutes tops. In line with what God says, because we've all said we're going to follow the same rule. So that's the people you can talk to. It always gets me crazy. It gets me uh, tricked, like all uh, tripped out when people get all shocked at people who don't believe in Jesus acting like it. <laughs> can you believe that she da da da? And oh my gosh! And what is she wearing? I can't believe she's in church like that. <laughs> what? You don't do that to a four-year-old who can't ride the bike yet. They don't know how to do it yet. What do you expect? Do you, do you expect them to do something you couldn't do when you were new at it? Interesting how religious you became with a, sh- for a short few years of being a Christ follower, how Pharisee you became that quick. You want to know why some of the people in this room don't want to follow Jesus? It's because of some of the people like you in this room. Because some of the Christians in this room judge unchristians and don't judge your own heart. You want to keep it real? You want to talk shop? Bring it. I'd love to talk the Bible because the Bible wins every argument. And here's what the Bible says. If you're sitting around, you're letting unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, and you're a Christian, you are sinning, and you're wrong. And you ought to be judged. You ought to be convicted because that's inappropriate. And there are unchurched people in this city, in this room right now. Last service they were in this room came up and thanked me afterwards and said, I've never heard a pastor I've never heard a pastor ever stand up for me to his church. It's the first time, and I'll see you next Sunday, Pastor. I expect crazy to act crazy. The unwholesome words that some of us in this room that are Christians allow other Christians to say to us about God's people, God's church, God's men and women, their wives, their husbands, their boss. Hey, can I help you with something today? Hey, if you talk crap about your boss, don't complain to me when you get fired. All right. If you are gossiping with someone else about your boss, please do not be dismayed. Don't call me. Don't write on the connection card a prayer request. Oh, I need him. I'm so sorry. I'm so bad. Were you gossiping about your boss? Were you talking bad about your boss? Hey, I got a question. Do you like your job? Then shut up. (laughs) Shut up. Stop talking bad about your boss. I don't care if he's the biggest heathen in the world, if he's the biggest jerk, if she doesn't see straight, if you do everything and they do nothing, because the place would shut down if you didn't show up, right? The boss is an idiot. Tell me where we've all heard it before. Every boss in this room right now is like, finally. I wish my whole staff was here right now. I'm getting the podcast here. Listen to this. The people clapping have employees under them. 
I want to let you know today that if you, and hold, can I just, can I just give you free? This one's free. Not even in the notes. Ready? This one's free. Can you please not be surprised when, if you're a gossiper in the room, when people gossip about you? You ever notice that the people most offended at people gossiping are gossipers? Wait, 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 whoa, 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 hold, hold on a minute. My grandparents is from San Antonio. And every now and then my grandpa would say, hey, hey, hold on a minute. Hold on a minute. Wait, you're upset because people are talking. I can't believe they said that about me. I can't believe these people are talking about me. I can't believe, I can't, you can't believe what? That your gossiping friends are gossiping? It's what you do. You're the originator. You're like, you're like, a, you traffic that bad boy. And you're shocked. Hey, here's an idea. Stop letting unwholesome words come out of your mouth and dishonoring the Jesus you say you're serving. And the next time somebody wants to talk bad and have, you know, cooked preacher for lunch, you put a stop to it and say, is that you think that's building me up according to my needs? Well, maybe I haven't communicated my needs clearly. That ain't helping me. You're not helping me according to my, here's my needs to love God, to serve, to be able to love what he's doing, to have a good heart. Instead of talking about what the church ain't doing, let's talk about what the church is doing. Instead of talking about what the pastor ain't doing, let's talk about what the pastor is doing. And if you have a legitimate con- conflict, hey, read Matthew 18 and do what the Bible says, Christian. Which, by the way, um, Matthew 18 does not apply to public sins. Just want to let you all know that. Oh, that felt good. So what do we do? How do we take this home? How do we stop letting these toxic words provide death in our families? How do we stop that from happening? I want to give you a few ideas I think will help you. Number one, this is a game that I wish I had I think this would actually win. I think this could make our church millions. So if you're an entrepreneur and you want to, like, go into business. So we've now done one verse. We've beat up on a bunch of people, and now we're ready for application. How? So how do you do this? Three easy steps, I'm sure. Need money? If you like this idea, let's do it. Because I think it's good, by the way. Just throwing it out there. Write down on a piece of paper everything that the world is going to tell your child, your grandchild, your wife, your husband. Write it down. Things like, you'll never amount to anything. Things like, you know, you'll never do anything great in this world. Things like, God can never accept you. You've done too many bad things. Things like that, where it makes people feel like, oh my gosh, it's like all that. And let's play a game called Truth or Trash. Get your kids together and then put all the other stuff. So this is the application. Write down all the phrases that the world will tell them and play the game truth or trash. That is the most bizarre application I have ever heard from anybody claiming to be a Christian pastor. God is for you, that God has made you unique, that God made you special. You're the apple of his eye, that he's given you a unique spiritual gift. He didn't give nobody. No repentance, no forgiveness of sins. Don't it, it, notice rather than if you're guilty of this. This is a sin that Christ died for. Repent. Repent and be forgiven. Christ bled and died for these sins. No, 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 no. The, no we just skip the cross. We go straight to create a game. 
to you. And when you do what God's made you to do, baby, you shine who he is in ways nobody else can do it like you. If you're gifted with administration and, and the ability to manage people and business, then God, it ought be not surprised to you when God puts you into the position to have your own company and to have your own business. But the business and the company is not just for you. It's not so you can have nice stuff, give your wife nice things, have nice parties and go to taps all the time. Guess what, folks? It's for you to be able to showcase to people. Yeah, I do got nice stuff. Yeah, I do have nice things. And it's because I serve a God that doesn't mind blessing his people who are faithful to honor his. So this is a light version of the word of faith heresy. And the game he's describing sounds a lot like Joel Osteen's Your Best Life Now, the game. Same idea. Met with a man last week. Very wealthy man. Loves God, loves our church. He's awesome. And he's like, look, man, I want to do something awesome at the end of this year for our church. I want to I want to I want to give big. I want to give crazy big. Because I believe in where our church is going. And I don't want money to be the reason that this church gets stopped. Because I see every week people give their life to Christ. Can I tell you that last service alone, over 20 people surrendered their life to Christ. Just last service. And, and when I was talking to him, he was saying this. He said, I had no idea how toxic my thoughts were. My words were. I had no idea how this. Because he asked me, what are you preaching about? I said, preach about toxic words. We talked all about it. And afterwards, he was like. I want to do something with what God's blessed me with so that I could remind myself it's not about me. It's about his kingdom. And I want to get all the toxic greed, all the toxic pride, all the toxic words. I want it out. I want it flushed out. And I want to come to God and say, here, God, here's my, here's not my okay. And everyone else would think it's my best because it's a lot. Oh, no, God. Here's my best. Now you. I don't care if you're on minimum wage. I don't care if you're on welfare today. God is looking into the corridors of your heart and he's saying, there's stuff inside your heart that's toxic. So application number two, give lots of money to South Hills Church in Corona. Weird, huh? For application one, make a game called Truth or Trash. Application two, give lots of money. And if you can't come and say, God, I got this thing that owns me for him. It was more his greed. It was toxic greed. It was toxic relationships. And it was that stuff. And it was, it was all these things. And he was like, but I want God to break it. You ain't got to give money to break something. What you got to do is put whatever you got in you that's owning you. You got to surrender that over to Jesus Christ. There is no other way for you, friend. And I'm going to tell you this right now. If you're a guy, I want to talk to you. If you're a man in the room, be it married or single. I understand. But here's what I want to tell you to do. You get that game out with your kids and you teach them the truth. And so this is what you do. Every time they pull out one of those lies, you, you read it to your kids. You go, okay, uh, you're never going to amount to anything. All right, girl, what is it? Is that truth or trash? And your girl will be all, that's trash. Throw that in the trash. You're like, that's right, girl, throw it in the trash. All right, your turn, son, go. He pulls it out. It's like, God is for me, not against me. If God be for me, who can be against me? Is that truth or trash? That's the truth. I'm going to live out that truth, dad. That's right. And you spend time as a family teaching them to hear the stuff they're going to hear when they go to school anyways. But now when they hear it, they're ready for it. They're like, those words are lies. That's not the truth about me. And as dad... Now dad sat there and walked son and daughter, walked grandma, grandpa. Walk, I mean, I'm sorry, walked grand, grandson, granddaughter. You walked your adult. You, you were able to do this kind of a thing. It's a little game you could play. And all of a the sudden, they're walking around. They're like, I know what the truth is. I know what the truth is. And somebody starts to say trash. They're like, that's trash. That's a lie. That's not true. And this family don't live subject to that. And can I speak to the men just a little bit longer for this on this? This is the thing that the world has been waiting for for thousands of years. You know why? It's because of this. 
the the world has been waiting for the truth or trash game. Time, you say something that is toxic and negative. It rings the bell in people's lives. And if you're a dad, you know this. If you had a dad that did this, here's the problem. If today you don't make peace with this, and if you don't let God come and begin a process of doing some cleansing in your heart, you're going to continue that process and you don't even know it. It seeps out. You don't know why God is coming in. He wants to do this thing. How do you make this real? I'm going to give you one more thing. This is what I would recommend that you guys could do this week. This week, if you could take this, I, I think that this, can, this could help you. Make this your rule of thumb. Here's the homework for this week and for the rest of your life if you want it. Here's the rule of thumb. Every time you think something positive, say it. All right, I'm going to come back to y'all. I'm going to see what these guys are going <laughs> to preach over there, okay? Every time you think something positive, say it. Round two, y'all. I like where it's going already. Every time you think something positive, you say it. Every time you think something positive, you say it. I like this finger did this one. You see that? I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know why I'm up here. Dads, grandpas, uncles, future dads, future husbands. And if you're single right now, you better listen in. If you're a single man right now, you need to dial in. Because if you think that all of a sudden you're going to figure this out and you understand how to speak to girls because you're all articulate and you're the new generation young man and you got how it is and you understand what it's like... Let me tell you something, Sonny. You ain't been married to a woman yet. You don't know how scary it can be to share what's in your heart. So take notes. But listen, I understand, guys, why sometimes you don't want to say what's in your mind to your wife. I get it. Because sometimes it's like, gosh, I don't want to open my heart because I'm afraid she's going to hurt it. Oh, we won't say that, right? It's easy to tell when a girl is has been hurt. She cries or she tries not to cry, and it's obvious she's trying not to cry. Okay? So it's super easy. It's easy, right? But guys, it's like it almost we've normalized this unhealthy part of stuffing our emotions down and acting like we don't feel things. Hey, I got news for you. Go Google how heart attack stats are doing. And ask yourself a question if you think God's word of let wholesome words and share and be in community and let what's in there get out. Ask yourself if maybe we ought to do that a little bit more in the man world of America. Because there's lots of guys that stuffed it down for so many years and it's toxic even physically now. And I understand that. I understand that personally. And I want to tell you today that I get it, I get why you wouldn't want to do it. I get why you wouldn't want to say something. It's like, yeah, pastor, you don't understand, man. You don't know. If I try to tell her things I'm thinking that are nice, then I'm vulnerable. If I just stay locked up, man, then I'm like, I'm cool, I'm copacetic, I'm nice, I do my job, but like, she can't hurt me. And as men, we don't like to admit that the woman can hurt us emotionally, but it's true. 
And real strength as a man isn't acting like you can't get hurt. Every guy can do that. Big deal. That's the five pound weight. You want to put six plates on each side, then be a real man and admit that you know you got a heart and that it hurts and that you are afraid. And that's okay because I am too, man. I get it. I understand, but that doesn't mean that I now have a right to withhold the life-giving words that my wife needs to hear. And I'm telling you right now, there's things I think about Brenda sometimes that I know are positive. I know she needs to hear, but I don't want to do it because I'm also afraid. I'm afraid of the first year of marriage coming back to get me again. I'm afraid of all that stuff being like, man, dude, you're like a Jedi. I'm like a Padawan. It's easy, isn't it? But I want to remind you of what happened thousands of years ago in a garden when there was a woman there and she was standing there and all of a sudden the snake slithers up on her and starts telling her lies, starts feeding her death, toxic words about stuff. And there was a man sitting right next to her saying nothing. I want to remind us men today that it isn't just the toxic words that you say that hurt your families. It's the things you don't say that they needed to hear that also become a toxic neglect in their heart. Your families need to hear you say it. And we've been getting that together ever since Adam kept his mouth quiet when what he should have done was this. Eve's sitting there. She's being told lies by the enemy. And Adam's sitting there quiet because he doesn't know. He doesn't want out. He don't, Eve might think that I'm, Eve's going to, evil say, evil say, you always interrupt me. How come you always in my business? Why don't you just? So Adam's like, oh, dang, man, I'll just, I'll be, you, okay, let me know. And I, okay, I'll just. Busy at work and come home and do kid thing. And hi, honey, love. Thanks. The food's great. Okay. And do it again the next day and call it marriage. It's not marriage. It's pretending. That ain't nobody fooled. God is saying, this is what should have happened. What Adam needed to do was to be a real man of God. And I'm talking a real man of God, by the way. I ain't talking some kitty cat, litter box having Christian guy who's this kind of guy that wants to unwholesome talk and give death and always, and he's a crybaby man calling himself a man of God. Nope. We're talking about real men of character. And when somebody offends him, they Matthew 18. See, the problem is you're describing people who've committed these sins. That means they're sinners. That means they don't have good character. And you're just telling them to, to shape up, pull themselves up by their bootstraps. You're not telling them that Christ died for their sins and re- they need to repent and be forgiven. All law. Do this, do this, do this. And, you know, big talk. Like, you know, he's a man of character. Like he, yeah, he, you know, the problem was that Adam, man, he just didn't step up and talk, you know, tell that snake to stop saying words kind of thing. And as a result of it, yeah, you know, but it, the way he's talking to me, had it been me, I would have been, I would have said something. No, you wouldn't have. That's why we're all born dead in trespasses and sins. Adam was our federal head. We continue. They're not stoked. They stay stoked because they understand that God's big enough to do it. And that God puts people into authority and they submit to God's word and God's authority. And they don't withhold their money and their tithes as Christians because they don't like something that happened. And the program they like going to got shut down. They stay faithful to what God is doing. And they last through the rest of the war and the battle to see what's on the other side of the mountain. So when you do get over there and you finally saw through the lion and the bear that came to attack the sheep, you get on the other side and realize it was not about the lion. And it wasn't about, the, it wasn't about that bear attack the sheep. It was about the fact that God was trying to raise up a David somewhere to go kill Goliath and take over the whole land. That's what God is looking for here. Now, what Adam should have done was this. Hey, Eve, honey, what's going on here? 
oh, hey, that's cool. And she's like, wait, hey, this thing's really great. I mean, it's awesome. And we, we totally, and it's like, and these are all the words he's saying. Adam should have said, hey, honey, love, you look beautiful, by the way. Don't ever change. Where'd you get that off? Oh, wait, you ain't got one. Go ahead. I'll be right back. No, it's, shh, it's okay. A snake. Come here. I don't know who the freak you think you are to talk to my wife like that. Don't you ever talk to my wife and fill her mind. Yeah, that's not how the story went. Boy, you're a big talker here. All law, no gospel. But none of this is actually a biblical teaching. Not any of it. And tell us she's this and she don't have enough. And what God has already given us ain't enough. And we need more. And if we could be more like this, don't you come lie to me and set up my children to be raised in a home that's going to torment them because they're not enough. Don't you come in here. I got dominion. God gave me dominion over every animal and you an animal. I got power and authority over you. You ain't got a right to come up in this Eden. This is my house. And I've been given this house from God. And I'm the provider and I'm the nurturer. And I named you, by the way, and rightfully so I named you a snake. And I want to tell you today that we're going to serve God, not these lies that we need to be God and control our own life because he'll do what's right by us. And if God is good, I don't need to question his goodness. I'll submit to it. You shut your, in fact, get your head over here so I can smash it with my heel. But he was silent. He said nothing. And the world longed for a word spoken from a man of God. And nobody got to hear it. And we've been paying for it ever since. Gentlemen, brothers, fathers, sons, today, God is doing a work at South Hills Church. Some of you. Yeah, see, here's the problem. And that is, is that you guys are not the ones undoing the sin of Adam. The second Adam, Jesus Christ, he's the one who undid all of that. Not you and not me. Calling here to step in front and deal with the snake that's been lying to your families. And if it's not your family, because you already stomped out its head, he's lying to the families of your family and of people in this city. And God has not planted you and he has not planted your, your family in this city so you could be cute and attend a church and do your thing and feel good and go home and call that God kingdom. That's not it. The whole reason is that there's a God who's lovesick for a broken generation that don't know that they were included at the cross of Jesus. And there's a gang of people sitting in this city. Yeah, can you tell me more about that cross of Jesus thing? You just mentioned, but you didn't tell me anything about it that don't know that they were included in the love that was poured out and ravishly given over from the fiercest man that ever walked the earth, the most lion of the tribe of Judas that ever could have walked, and yet the meekest and mildest lamb of God that was ever given, and he was slain from the foundation of the world, and he gave his life for broken people, and the broken people can't even hear the message because... Yeah, no, he gave his life for sinners. Yeah, that's what scripture says. Not broken people, sinners busy letting unwholesome words come out of their mouth about other Christians and churches and pastors. And God's heart breaks and he is raising up men at South Hills Church who have had enough of it. And I wish to call every single one of you out. So you think you could just conquer sin because you've worked everybody up into a frenzy and now they're fed up with it and they're not going to put up with it anymore. And that will last, oh, about two minutes.
want you to join the move of God at this church that wants to build a kingdom. We're looking for lions. We're looking for eagles. We're looking for fierce. We're looking for godly. We're looking for men. You should be looking for sinners who hear the message of repentance and the forgiveness of sins, who are penitent and forgiven. If we will do this, we're going to look back at these tough, tough months that we've had in 2013, and it will all make sense. Some of you have been here a long, long time. I mean, you've been at this church for years, man, and we stand on your shoulders. We wouldn't have what we have if it wasn't for you, and we applaud that. We're thankful for that. Some of you are new. Every single week, I meet some of you new lions coming in here. You're coming in here, man, and you're learning, and you're figuring it out. I met with one this last week. He said, my wife, for the first time, did not adult the child me in my drinking problem two months ago. And it was the first time I ever heard God's voice tell me, enough is enough. When the woman gets out of the way of God, God can talk to the man in your life. Ma'am, with all due respect, he don't need you to mom him. He don't need you to convict him. You are not the Holy Spirit in his life. He can hear from God if he can just get his ears to not have you. So you don't want wives confronting their men with their sins. Wow. And I'm all the time. You ain't got to like that. But it ain't my truth. It's his. And it's indisputable. And it's never lost an argument. And, I... and um, you say it's God's truth. Can you prove that by actually showing me where that's taught in Scripture, please? Today. God wants to do a work in this room, and I want to let him do it. So I want to invite you to think about what are the words that are still owning you, pulling the wagon in your life? What is hanging up on the refrigerator door in your life, and it's a lie? And an unwholesome word came out of someone else's mouth, and you're subject to it. Some of you don't like people in this room because of things that someone else has said. God is here today to say, enough is enough, snake. You shut your mouth. You've had your way with the church and the bride of Christ long enough, but we're ironing her dress and we're getting the spot and the wrinkle out so that the bride of Christ can wait for the groom to come and say, let's do life and create life and change this world. And he's got the ironing board out and he's got the wedding. To do life and let's change this. What are you talking about? Again, he's just making up stuff, thinking it's Christian theology or biblical theology. It isn't. And every single week you can come on back here and I'm going to tell you this. God's word is going to come and he is going to put cleanliness back into this church so we could see something happen that we ain't ever seen happen before. And I invite us. God's going to put cleanliness back in your church, but you're talking about cleaning yourselves up rather than being washed by Christ's blood. Good luck on that. I invite you to close your eyes as we close our time in prayer. Oh, okay. Thankfully, he's done. Cannot go on. Man, I will not let him pray. Well, there you go. Kind of a law, 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 law beat down with, it wasn't really a gospel nugget. It was a, an allusion to the cross without actually explaining it. But no forgiveness of sins was offered to um, anybody who was guilty of using words to hurt people. Yeah. 
Oh, Allah, no gospel. That's what we call Christless Christianity. And the solutions, what was, <laughs> give money and make a game called Truth or Trash. Weirdest applications I've ever seen regarding sins that pertain to our tongue. That's not going to solve anything. The solution is a crucified and risen Savior. And us penitently coming to Christ and confessing our sins and being forgiven. That's the solution that was not offered at South Hills Church. What did you think? Love to get your feedback. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address is talkback at fightingforthefaith.com or you can subscribe on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Christian, or follow me on Twitter, my name there, at Christian. Till tomorrow, may God richly bless you in the grace and mercy won by Jesus Christ and his vicarious death on the cross for all of your sins. Amen. <laughs>